your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to another week. Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. If you want to get in here, shoot me a text. Give me a call right now. You're good to go. Uh, Brad Williams in the newsroom is checking on the city plan commission meeting going on right now. It's committee week in lacrosse. So the big meetings, the judiciary and administration committee meetings going on tomorrow at six o'clock. You'll get on your agenda page and uh, check out everything that's on the agenda. I, I looked at it earlier. There are 13 items on the agenda for the JNA meeting. And eight other licensing requests on there as well. And then on Thursday, the other big meeting, um, finance and personnel committee meeting happens at 6 p.m. Thursday. One day at a time. Well, at least two days at a time because I'm looking ahead. But I haven't looked at Thursday's agenda yet. I did ask the entire city council on the JNA meeting, uh, JNA committee, uh, if anyone wanted to come on. And zero people emailed me back. So thank you so much. JNA people. Thanks so much for at least reply. 608-785-7914. Unless I missed that email, then it's my bad. <laughs> Which is always possible. Um, coming up uh, in a couple of minutes, Bill Soper, the CEO of the Lacrosse Area YMCA. They've got a new plan in the works and some other new updates that we're going to talk about at the uh, the two Ys here in the area on Alaska and, and Lacrosse. And um, we could just talk about how that one of them is pretty cool. It's they're going to twenty four seven Y, so it's not it's not a new concept. Of course, there's a lot of those in the area. Anytime fitness, right? They literally call it anytime fitness. And uh, but now the YMC is going to that model. We'll ask Bill how that's going to work, um, and then some updates at both the on Alaska and Doll Wise. And then after that, uh, bottom half of the show, if you haven't gone to Rotary Lights, it's open. If you didn't know that, Rotary Lights at Riverside Park is open and good to go. It's dark out pretty soon, right? So the lights are probably probably uh, looking good already. It's kind of a nice day out. Um, so we're going to talk to Pat Stevens for a little bit about uh, Rotary Lights down at Riverside Park, how opening weekend went, and um, just everything surrounding that. He does have some funny stats he sent me that we can get into in a little bit. Um, stuff that the city plan commission meeting is, is doing right now is stuff that we've been talking about over and over and over again. seems like for months on end, which I think it literally is. Uh, we're, we're still talking about the plan for the fish labs building at Riverside park, the North end there, that old building is getting remodeled. I believe they're putting, I want to say, I want to say it's over $500,000 in remodeling. I want to say there's two phases to it, and they're completing the first phase. I could be wrong. It's just that my memory's slipping as I get old here. Um, but they're at least doing a $500,000 remodel. And the group that wants to come in, um, Hatchery LLC, I think they're called, they want to come in and, and put in another million. I think they want to drop a million dollars into the building. That they're going to rent, so it's pretty cool that they they want to do that. I, f- I feel like any any group that says, "Hey, we want to rent your building and also put a million dollars worth of updates in it," I mean, if they're if they're making the updates awful for a historic building, then maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. I think the city council will approve or deny certain updates if they don't like the plan. If they were, you know, if they're too um, just permanent, 
in a in a building that they're renting, then probably not. But uh, we had the Fish Labs group in here, not literally in here, but on the air a couple months ago. I want to say maybe a month ago, a couple months ago, uh, just talking about the plan. I, I liked it. I liked the plan. It's just an, an event center at the at at the north end of Riverside Park, and then maybe a bed and breakfast or at least an Airbnb, which is bed and breakfast so to speak but it's you know i think you can rent it out whenever it'd be cool to if you're uh you want to visit lacrosse and need somewhere to stay oh i can stay in the fish labs building on the upstairs at the fish labs and live on the river <laughs> like can i i can just live on the river for whatever a night or a couple nights that would be a pretty good airbnb i wonder how much uh they could charge for that and also if uh that group charges for that right that's that's for that's money money-making scheme for them instead of the city. So if this, this group's going to remodel the building and take over, uh, that's part of the plan. And then the basement or the, the you know, the, the first floor and the rest of the area would be an event center. So um, I, I think we always, we always hear the neighbors, the pushback on that. Uh, we don't want that. Uh, the people that live in the area for some reason. And we, we've had this conversation many a time, the, the pushback on not having, uh, an event center at the at the north end of Riverside Park because the people that live in apartments just down the the road don't want the noise and the traffic and it's like well you live next to a park <laughs> so we're still having that fight but uh, they get they get more attention than the people that are in support of this so there's just as many people I would say in support of an event center down there than there's a petition going around both ways so. Um, and then it's up to the city council to kind of figure out in these committees, right, to kind of figure out whether or not they want to, uh, you know, who, uh, how, how to judge how they, how and who they want to listen to. I mean, do you listen to the 50 people that decided to live next to a park and apartment built complex, or do you listen to uh, everybody else? Um, the other thing that's happening to uh, plan commission, and then it'll move on to this JNA meeting tomorrow at six is the uh, Bethany Lutheran homes. We've talked about this multiple times. They want to build a four story building adjacent to, I don't know if it's adjacent to, but kind of a, a replica of the building they already have because seniors living in those facilities are doubling up apparently. And they want to build another building. And so they would have not have to double up anymore. The question I have us have is uh, how affordable is, is living in Bethany Lutheran homes and, if those people no longer have to double up, are they getting charged double then because they're living in single rooms? And then the new building, those, you know, the seniors that go to move into the new building, are they also going to have to pay double because they're in single rooms then? Or how does that work? I mean, are we just billing the insurance so we don't care about it? And then the insurance costs skyrocket. And, uh, there's so many questions around that, and it's and and then also they, they the the fight there is that there's an ordinance you can't build a building over a certain height, and if we approve the four story building, then other groups are going to come in and want to build builder build larger buildings, and then the riverfront is full of you know big buildings. I'm I'm kind of against uh against the the idea of building four story buildings, and and maybe perhaps down the road other larger buildings right on the riverfront on green Island down there. Like maybe we could just move those to the middle of the city or somewhere else. And then the view isn't blocked by giant buildings. I guess four story isn't really giant, but still it's kind of blocking the view. 
608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. What do you think? Um, all right, I'm going to take a break. Brad's got to do the news. Bill Soper, the YMCA, is going to join me here in a minute when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line because Bill Soper, the CEO of the Lacrosse Area YMCA, did I say that right, Bill? You did. All right, he's on with me now. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about a couple of big, big. I feel like they're big changes. Some are, are less impactful than others, but um, you guys uh, at the Y are going to a, a 24-7 facility or facilities. Is this uh, going to happen at both facilities? It is, both facilities, yep. And that's going to start uh, next Monday, December 6th. Yeah, we're a week we're a week out from from that plan changing and I guess I my my one, you know, and I think there you can go on the website and, and look up a lot of these, but I my my one question right away is are there going to be workers in the building 24/7? Not necessarily. So, um no, we're we're uh, there's going to be times when there are um just members in there. We're encouraging people to bring a buddy you know, work out with somebody, um, but no, there won't always be. Sometimes there'll be some of our housekeeping staff in, or, you know, we know we're going to get members that go in at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning to get a little jump on the day, and there'll be some staff in at that time, but there'll be a decent number of hours when there'll just be members in the building. Okay, yeah, because my, my thought was like, okay, I want to go at, for whatever reason, and someone wants to go lift weights at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., and uh, they're the only person in the building, and they decide they're going to put 500 pounds on the bench press and then not be able to get – you know what I mean? That's That was my one, like, how does that work? Yeah, you know, that's where we're really going to encourage people to bring a friend, work out with a friend. Um, you know, that's the uh, – of course, we hope there's enough um, interest in it. We think there's going to be that, um, you know, there's, that the, there's usually more than a few people in there. That's what our hope is. Uh, that's – that's kind of played out. There's eight other Ys in Wisconsin that have added this for their members, and they've had uh, really good luck. Um, it's been a safe experience. You know, people have been really respectful of the facilities and, and how they use them, and we're expecting the same thing from our members. Yeah, and obviously we won't be able to go swimming in the middle of the night, but what, what parts of the building will be open? Yeah, so at both facilities you'll be able to get into the gymnasiums, so if you want to get in there and work on that jump shot of yours, you can do that anytime. And then um, the two wellness centers will be open. So if you want to get in to, you know, use any of the cardio equipment or weight equipment and so on, those spaces will be available as well. Yeah, it would be funny to start like a midnight basketball pickup game. <laughs> that would be fun. I don't Absolutely. Know, I don't know how many people would be like I'd be up for it, but I don't know how many people now will I Bill, will will people be able to use the locker rooms at in the middle of the night, essentially? No, so the, nope, the locker rooms will be closed. So there'll be we'll have um uh bathroom access and then the gym and the wellness centers will be uh, the extent of it. And you know, over time as we get more accustomed to it and figure out how it's all gonna work. We may add, you know, right now we're not playing basketball court. Those might get added, so changes as we need to. All right. We're, we're, you're cutting out just a little bit, Bill, but, um, yeah, selfishly, uh, you know, in the middle of winter, if I went and worked out at, you know, 10, 11 p.m., 
Uh, I don't want to leave the building all sweaty. So selfishly, I want at least the shower to be available. Yeah, and they, they won't be, unfortunately. So, you know, it'll just be one of those situations you have to throw your sweatpants back on and, and shower at home. Yeah, or go back to work because that's usually what I'm doing. Um, uh, and this thing, you, what you're doing with 24-7 Y-Access, uh, this isn't going to bust anyone's wallet, right? It seemed pretty cheap to me. I'm sorry, Rick. Can you say that again? Oh, I said this is this is going. To, this isn't going to be a, a, an, a an avenue where it, it's not it's not very expensive to do this. It's not. You know, we're charging members uh, a one-time keep-off fee of ten dollars, and then to add the service is just five dollars a month. So uh, obviously, you have to be a member, and then um, to add the twenty-four-seven above the membership is just five dollars. Um, what? So moving on, I, you know, I, I think uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. The Y add five dollars to your membership. The Y is going to be open. The gym and the the wellness center will be open, and uh, you're encouraged to to bring a friend. And if, for for those people that really want to to, to put the weight on the weight bar, I would ex- <laughs> would suggest bringing a friend because there won't be staff in there. Um, a couple other things that are happening at the Y. Uh, the the Y here in Lacrosse is going through some remodeling and just you know I guess how long before the you're getting new locker room showers I would imagine I guess well, what's the plan for the for the basement there? Yes, Rick. So right now what's happening is uh, Mark and Johnson is working on the side of the locker rooms that's going to be the men's and boys locker room and then what we're calling a universal or family locker room. So that side's being worked on. We're expecting kind of a probably late January or early February for that space to get finished. And then when that gets finished, we'll move the men and boys into their new locker room. We'll move the women and girls into what is what will be the family locker room, and then we'll begin work on the other side. And so um, we'll have three new locker rooms, and then we're also adding a steam and sauna off of the pool deck um, down at the doll line, just making some nice improvements to the uh, – to that lower level area it'll be really really nice when we're done uh, you know the barrier free accessibility if, if members are uh you know in wheelchairs or use walkers the access in and out of those locker rooms is going to be really great when we're all done so the way the way you had it and you're remodeling right now so it's no longer no longer available but the way you had it before is there was individual steam and saunas in each locker room right and now we're, it'll be a universal one for men and women it will be, yep. They'll be out off, and we're doing that at both Y locations. So out off the pool deck, there'll be a uh, co-ed steam and a co-ed sauna. There'll be really big spaces. There'll be plenty of room to spread out in those. But, uh, yeah, at both places, they'll be off the pool deck. So you'll have to be careful for the people that are used to going in there naked. <laughs> Correct. That's the one thing. you gotta you got to wear a swimsuit now. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna be... Um, you know, window to the pool. There'll be some. Uh, you know, we're going to fog the uh, the glass so that there'll be some privacy. But uh, some of it'll be open, and we we're doing it also to improve safety so that you know people walking by and lifeguards walking on the pool deck will be able to keep an eye, you know, into those spaces. So it'll be improved safety for members as well. Yeah, and it definitely even fiscally it makes a little bit more sense to have one one steam room and one sauna in the building as opposed to having two separate ones just be it's just a maintenance factor it does you know we're maintaining you know three or four spaces versus two spaces and so you're right from a 
um, cost perspective, it's better to do this as well. Now, um, at the Onalaska Y now, so that's at the Doll Y, new locker rooms. And then you said at the at both Ys, there's going to have this universal sauna and steam rooms. But now at the Doll Y, you're, you're putting I, – I haven't been up there in a while, so I don't know. You, I, all I know is you're getting a new swimming pool, or what's the plan? Yeah, up at the Hauser Y in Onalaska, we're adding a warm, uh, a warm water pool. So our, our normal – our two other pools are about 84 degrees. The new warm pool is going to be about 92 degrees, and it's designed for, like, uh, parent-child swim lessons. You know, when you're, when you're teaching, uh, you know, when you've got an 18, a 12- or 18-month-old child in a swimming pool, you want it to be warm enough. Uh, you know, three-year-olds learning how to swim, four-year-olds, and then it'll be, uh, like, adult water fitness classes. And then Gunderson Health System is going to be leasing some pool time back from us to do physical therapy. So we're adding that space, and then we're also adding room for Gunderson um, to have physical therapy at the Onalaska Y. So uh, the Hauser Y will have physical therapy um, handled by Gunderson Health System, a warm pool, and then steam and sauna off the pool deck. What about a hot tub? When are we going to get a hot tub up there? (laughs) No, that's a great question. And back when that building was built, we had planned for a future hot tub, but this decision to put a warm pool in will eliminate any possibility of a future whirlpool. We just decided that a warm pool, which you know meets the needs of so many more people, was a better investment than a than a whirlpool. So we're just going to encourage people to go downtown and use the whirlpool at the Doll Y. Yeah, that makes a sense. Somebody needs to get a vacuum in the Dalwai uh, uh, hot tub and, and get a, get the sand out of there. I don't know if that was my fault for playing a lot of sand volleyball and then going in there, but uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Could, that could be your fault. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I, you know the and I joke about the hot tub too because that it, a lot of the times is the is hot are hot tubs just hard to maintain in general because it seems like the the doll Y the the lacrosse Y that one some sometimes it's broke or, you know more times more times than not it's broken I don't know if that's because it's old or just because that's what hot tubs do. No, Rick, they're hard to maintain. You know our our um, our facilities director Carl and our property manager Matt you know, do a really good job, but, you know, all it takes is, you know, it's such a small body of water that all it takes is a member, you know, we've, this won't be hard to believe, but we've had members that go in there and shampoo their hair, for example. <laughs> well, that throws everything off, and then we have to drain it, clean it, and refill it, and we lose a day when that happens. So there's things like that that come up that just are unexpected things, but uh, whirlpools are just challenging spaces to keep open, you know, all the time. So what you're saying is anyone thinking about getting a hot tub out there, don't do it. Just get a Y membership. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about shampooing my hair in there, too, by the way, Bill. Sorry about that. Yeah, don't, don't do that again. Hey, when's the, what's the timetable? Last question. What's the timetable on the Onalaska YMCA pool stuff being done? We're thinking it's probably going to be May or June of next year for those spaces to be done. Okay, of 2020. And then um, you said by late January the men will get their locker room back and the women will lose their locker room. When do you – any timetable on the women getting their full locker room? Yeah, again, probably – we're guessing probably June or July of next year. Okay, and then uh, – 
What about the the steam the steam and sauna rooms being being all completed? Do you know any any idea when those will be done? We think they'll probably be on the same schedule. So probably um, you know probably May for on Alaska. We think it's going to be part of phase two in Lacrosse. So probably you know late June of next year at the Dollwide. Late June. All right. It's a very selfish show for me. Bill, so I know all the things that I'll be able to use at the Y. Thanks a lot for joining. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. All right, we'll see you. All right, that was Bill Soper, the CEO of the Lacrosse Area YMCA, with some updates there. Uh, I enjoy going to the Y. I thought I think uh, a lot of people do. And if you don't, I mean, $5, uh, add $5 to your membership to get uh, 24-7 access. Uh, work on the three-point shot at midnight. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, we got to come. We're, when we come back, Pat Stevens with Rotary Lights is going to join us, talk about the opening weekend of Rotary Lights, um, how that went. He's got some funny news, and uh, there's something going on, a special thing going on tonight. Uh, for And I'll just say, it's an all-abilities night, so anyone with uh, you know autistic children, uh, children with Down syndrome, not even just children, right, just anyone, uh, tonight's the night to get down to Rotary Lights at Riverside Park, and then I'm obviously I'll ask Pat uh, if we're doing that other nights of the week as well. Uh, for this, what, next a little, well, about a month that Rotary Lights is open. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. I'm not going to take, I'm, Pat, I'm not going to take calls uh, so people can't berate you for uh, Rotary Lights. So, you know. He <laughs> thinks. All right. Uh, Pat Stevens, he's the Rotary Czar here in town. I guess, what what exactly is your title, Pat? I am president of the Rotary Lights Corporation. Rotary Lights Corporation. And um, aside from, now you don't have to list them all. Obviously, we're doing Rotary Lights right now at Riverside Park until New Year's Eve. Aside from that, what else does Rotary do? Well, uh, locally, we do a lot of stuff with the, uh, the, obviously, the very food baskets, and we do the Meals on Wheels. Uh, Our particular club has adopted Erickson Park uh, to make that an all-abilities park there as well. Uh, the downtown club has all of their own projects as well. Uh, uh, Valley View uh, is another. There's nine clubs in the area, so each one of them has kind of their own pet projects that they developed and put forward to better the community. So kind of a neat arrangement and unusual that uh, all nine clubs come together, though, to, uh, to support Rotary Lights both physically and financially. That's unusual. Now, when you say you're going to adopt Eric, you've adopted Erickson Park, is it going to be something similar to what Train Park is with an all-abilities park? Actually, we started uh, Erickson before they got going on Train Park over there, and it's uh, uh, people haven't been over to uh, the Chad Erickson Park there behind the uh, the trade cor- train corporate office and so on. It is really something very special, very nice. Uh, they've taken what was a... Um, uh, almost an undesirable park in the area here and really made it fantastic. And uh, uh, we're continuing to add things uh, all the time. We just added a new outdoor classroom to it there. And uh, next year our hope is to uh, to add a treehouse uh, that will be added there that will be fully acceptable for the handicapped. So. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's t- it'll, be, it'll be a little chilly to take classes outside right now, but the, the kids are <laughs> tough, right? Hey, listen, by uh, by Wisconsin standards, late November – this is a beautiful night, and it looks like we're going to have another good week of uh, a very uh, relaxing weather by our standards and so on. So great time to come down to the park and enjoy it. Yeah, and this is what year What year of Rotary Lights is it? 27? This is this is 27. 27. 27 oh. years. I was a, 
a much younger man when we got this started. <laughs> um, now, this is something you get. You, I don't know how many years have you been doing this, but you have an all abilities night tonight. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, uh, 27 years ago, when I got this uh, started, we never envisioned that it would grow to what it is today. And one of the biggest displays, certainly in the Midwest and so on. But we've talked for a couple different years of, uh, of having all abilities night and, uh, you know, some with Down syndrome and some uh, uh, with autistic concerns and so on uh, have trouble with flashing lights and fast-moving lights and so on like that, and uh, a lot of our displays have that. So we sat down a number of months ago and said, you know, if we can calm those displays down for one night, uh, let's take uh, a Monday night in November and make that our all-abilities night. And so uh, we walked the park with uh, uh, some of the organizers of that a few weeks ago and uh, decided we're going to turn this down. We might have to turn this off. We're going to adjust this light and so on uh, to make it that much uh, user-friendly for those that uh, have those concerns. Yeah, okay, and that that answers my next question. I was going to say, if we are we going to do it again, maybe next month sometime. But it sounds like a, a one night thing. Because if you are, let me know, and I'll 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 get it out there, get the word out. Well, thank you for that. I, I we haven't talked about doing it once a month, but certainly would like to do it at least once a year. And uh, uh, there is some IT time that goes into this to to adjust everything that we've built and developed and so on. So I'm not sure we could do it every month, but. It uh, sure would be nice to, if this all works out tonight to make it an annual activity. Yeah, well, why, why don't we just decorate Erickson Park and we'll just do two rotary lights. That, <laughs> that, nothing to it. Yeah, I'm out of that. Yeah, uh, rotary no lights, uh, obviously the thing gets bigger every year, um, you know, and you've been doing this for 27 years. The, the first year, how many lights and how many lights do we have now? Well, we, uh, the first year we went around to the different clubs, uh, asked each of them for a contribution so we could buy our, our first set of lights of 250000 uh, at that time. And it really was a, a very nice success and uh, a lot of labor and intense work went into it at that time. And uh, in our inventory now, we probably have three and a half million lights uh, uh, because there's 33 less trees in the park than there were two years ago. Uh, we actually have uh, lights in storage that we have no place to put <laughs> uh, until those trees grow back. So, uh, But uh, we have a lot of lights. All right, so the next order of business would be to plant some trees in Riverside Park for Rotary for the next couple of years. Well, we just did that, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, Rotary Lights uh, bought uh, six trees, um, uh, four- to five-inch trees, so they're they're not just sticks. At any rate, to begin that planning process, and the first ones went in two weeks ago. And uh, we hope to repeat that uh, each year for a number of years to come. Now, you sent uh, information to me about, the, you know, the opening weekend, obviously, this weekend. Uh, something maybe a little unexpected? You're you're already out of s'mores or you're getting low? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should say that. Uh, the s'mores have been just a huge surprise, uh, to, to me anyway. I knew they would be popular, but... Uh, they've just exceeded our expectations. And uh, uh, last year we did, uh, uh, with one fire pit, uh, did a little over 6,000 schmores at that time. Uh, they are free, so that makes them a little bit more popular, of course, on here. And uh, this year we added a second fire pit, and uh, in just the first three days now we've gone through over 2,000. So I had a, a group of people today uh, putting some more s'mores together for the rest of the week. And uh it's a it's a great family activity. It's fun to see the all ages there uh, roasting the marshmallows, uh, chatting, singing, enjoying the evening, and so on. It's a big part of Rotary Lights. Uh, Joe Welch from Caledonia, Joe Welch Equipment, 
is the gentleman that really sponsors our s'mores for us and so on. And uh, bless his heart, it's really been a very special activity and a nice thing to add to the Rotary Lights history. Now you say Joe Welch Equipment uh, is sponsoring that. Does that mean Joe is out of like like fifty thousand uh, marshmallows <laughs> and candy bars by the end of the month? <laughs> I think so. Well, he uh, he has the easy job. He just writes the check. Uh, the uh, uh, we have to get the graham crackers, the chocolate, and the marshmallows. And uh, and to ease things, uh, we have groups now that assemble them into little packages. So when somebody wants to roast a marshmallow, uh, they get a sealed bag with the ingredients in it and stuff, and makes it a little cleaner, a little nicer, especially these days. And yep. so on to get that done. So yeah, we're t- we're talking with Pat Stevens, president of Rotary Lights. Uh, Pat, where is the s'mores factory? Where the factory line uh, where we're putting s'mores together? Is that in town somewhere, <laughs> or is that right outside? Uh, it is. It's at what officially we call the Lighthouse, uh, which is our warehouse for the Rotary Lights group and so on. We have uh, uh, some large tables in a big room there, and uh, it's full of the ingredients right now. I think uh, the group today did uh, about 2,400 more uh, that should get us through the week, hopefully. <laughs> An assembly line of s'mores makers. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> if you if you left it up to me, I would have like five candy bars in my s'mores probably. Um <laughs> Now, you know, one of the cool things that's not going to be for a couple of weeks, helicopter rides. How, uh, do the helicopter rides go all day, or is it just a night activity? It's just a night activity from 5 to 10. Uh, we have uh, Lake Superior helicopters uh, uh, out, of, uh, out of Duluth, actually. And it's uh, uh, Lake Superior helicopters uh, slash rotary light dot com slash rotary lights is the online reservation for it and uh, I think it's a forty nine dollar trip and it's about seven or eight minutes around the uh, around the park over the park and so on and uh, my wife and I uh, uh, did that last time and truly truly enjoyed it so it uh, it's a different way to see the lights it can be kind of a romantic thing if uh, if you want to do that as well and so on also nice family activity that you don't often see and I I think the uh, the buzz around the park is forty nine bucks, which I think is uh, very reasonable. Yeah, and they don't they don't land on a barge or up on Granddad or anything, do they? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, not intentionally. No. <laughs> it would be cool. Um, now, now opening weekend uh, is opening weekend always the most popular weekend, or is it maybe Christmas or New Year's? Yeah, actually, uh, uh, any the three or four days leading up to Christmas are always very busy in the park and. Uh, and the week uh, between Christmas and New Year's uh, is busy every night. Uh, a lot of vacation time in there for a lot of people, a lot of families that come together at that time and so on. And so we're very busy at that time. But our opening night last Friday was uh, was spectacular. Our, our counters estimated about 4,100 people that were uh, uh, watching the parade. And I think from the looks of the park, all those 41 walked down to the park afterwards and enjoyed the uh, Santa's introduction and our introduction of our new mascots, and then uh, Santa hit the switch and the great fireworks displayed by the Skyrockers as well. So that really has become a, a great family tradition in the area, and it's fun to see the multiple ages that come down for it. Even nicer when Mother Nature cooperates as it did this year. So. Yeah, well, and you keep saying Mother Nature's cooperating. I don't want to go to Rotary Lights, Pat, until it <laughs> snows. I want to. I want the big snowfall. Have you noticed over the years that that – uh, you know, it, it gets really popular, that first snowfall? Uh, it is. We get uh, a lot of repeaters at that time. There's a lot of people that have come down or will come down now. I, uh, we still got the grass on the ground, but it takes on a whole different beauty 
uh, after you get an inch or two of snow falling down here and so on. And so they, they come back. So it's a, a great setup for us because then they can come through a second or third time. Um, obviously, we didn't have a parade. Well, maybe it's not obvious, but we didn't have a parade last year. We had one this year, but it started at 6. It kind of threw everything off a little bit. Uh, the plan next year is hopefully to, to reel that in, to get the parade going at 5, and then just go with Santa switching the lights on right at 6 again? Yeah, that works out best for us. At, uh, uh, having it at 6, of course, hurts our revenue a little bit as well at, at that point. But more important than that, I think, is that the uh, uh, the families that we heard from uh, we're not happy about the 6 o'clock start. Uh, if you've got uh, a lot of little ones and so on between uh, uh, dinner and bedtime and so on, that kind of adjusts everything into the later hours. And so we hope to bring it back to a 5 o'clock start. That works best for us as well. And uh, if we can uh, work that out with our local police department so we can get our parade permit, uh, we hope to do that next year. Yeah, maybe just, it, you know, it's obviously it's a little bit, it's quote-unquote rush hour in lacrosse and having the parade go through downtown a little bit. Is is there a way to just adjust the parade route where maybe it starts on the backside of Riverside Park by the lacrosse center on, what, Front Street, and, and then it's just a little bit out of traffic that way? Well, uh, the history of it, of course, is that uh, when we had our first Rotary Lights parade, there was not much happening, if you can think, 27 years ago. There was not much happening in downtown Lacrosse. And uh, uh, and so they approached us, and we had conversations about bringing a parade to the area. And I wanted it to go right down Main Street uh, to help the merchants and to help the downtown folks uh, take care of that. And, and ever since that time, we've done it that way. Uh, there certainly are other routes that we could take, but I'm not sure it would uh, benefit the downtown the same way that going right down Main Street does. So... We'll have to take a look at that and see how we can come out on it. Hopefully it'll work. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, so if if I want to go to Rotary Lights, I just want to break this down. I have to come from the north. I, is that the only way to get into the park, driving-wise yeah. anyway, to, to drive there? Yeah. you got to come down the causeway uh, on the 2nd Avenue and then uh, the right lane on 2nd Avenue till you get to State Street, uh, then a right turn onto State Street and into the park from there. And it's... Uh, we have found over the years that uh, just having one way in and one way out, as you exit, everybody's got to go down Front Street, that it really does make a much more smoother uh, traffic flow for us at that point. Uh, some people that are coming from the south don't necessarily like that, but there's really no way to uh, to accommodate both north and south at the same time and make it work. So uh, we think this is the fastest way of doing it, and uh, so do our friends at the police department. So. Yeah, it's it's tough to make that left turn coming from the south when and and then having the line go the other way. Um, and then when people do want to come, uh, you know, obviously walking is the way to go. I think everyone's encouraged to park in the parking ramps. It's free. You just got to check in. You can use an app or you can go to the station there. Uh, it'll be free if you're going at 6 p.m. It's even free before that because the first three hours are free. But when people do come to the park, you want them to bring uh, canned goods or just what, what? what would you like people to bring? Well, it's uh, all voluntary, of course. It always has been, and we ask them to bring non-perishable food items. And uh, if they've enjoyed the display, to consider making a, a financial uh, gift as well uh, to us at that point. And that seems to uh, to work out pretty well. I know a lot of other displays around the country that uh, that we get footage from and so on are, uh, are twenty-five, forty, fifty dollars a car to to go through their displays and. Uh, uh, we feel uh, for the community, the best way to do it is to make it voluntary. 
and our people have responded enough so we can pay our bills and uh, uh, give some money back to all the nonprofits that help out and still have some seed money for the next year. So I don't see us changing that routine at all. Pat, how many volunteers do you think you have? Well, we just added those up the other day, as a matter of fact. We're a little under 100 nonprofit organizations that uh, start helping us in September. And uh, that goes for October, November, December, and January. And uh, we bring a couple back to help us clean up whatever we couldn't get out of the park uh, in April as well. So uh, a little less than 100 nonprofit organizations when you add them all together and the rotary participation and so on. Uh, it's uh, about 3,200 volunteers that... Uh, that make this possible. So there's really uh, nothing. I'm associated with a lot of stuff, but there's nothing quite like uh, Rotary Lights uh, when it comes to community involvement. We are we are blessed. Uh, and most years we even have to turn down some groups that would like to participate because we don't have enough jobs for them. So kind of nice feeling. Pat, just throw them on the s'mores assembly line. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we could freeze those things or keep them. We could make them all year long. It doesn't quite work that way, so. Yeah, and uh, and obviously not the funnest job to be making s'mores all the time. Uh, but um, when when you so I, that was my next question is if you have thirty two hundred volunteers, do you need more? But apparently you don't need more volunteers. Well, uh, for our setup and so on, we've got uh, a lot of them joke that we have this down pat. So I think that's true uh, on here and uh, uh, for setup. But uh, we welcome anybody that wants to help January first to about January eighth. A lot of the displays throughout the country that are, uh, are huge displays in their communities don't have to put up with the winter that Wisconsin does. And uh, so when it comes time to take everything down, uh, we've dealt with a little bit of everything from uh, surprisingly mild weather to, to blizzards to rainstorms to everything else. And uh, uh, the ground freezes, and uh, sometimes it's tough to get some of our stuff out of the ground at that time and so on. So, and uh, you got to work outside and work hard at it. And, uh, so if you dress for it and you come with the right attitude, we seem to get everything down uh, really in about seven or eight days. So it works out pretty well. Now, um, last thing that I was on with Mike in the morning the other day, and he said that you'll take, you know, will you take people's old lights as donations? That, that seemed weird to me, but I, can you just, is that true? <laughs> well, we do. We have uh, uh, at our headquarters on Market Street there, we do have a bin. Uh, for recycled lights. And then uh, in the park itself, uh, uh, right there where the eagle sculpture should be, whenever it gets done, uh, there's a dumpster there uh, to put recycled lights in as well. When we get light donations, uh, we look at them. If they're LED, if we could use them in some fashion, we do. Uh, Otherwise, we recycle them, and uh, uh, the proceeds that we get from those recycled lights all benefit rotary lights as well. So it's a a nice one-two punch there as well. So. Okay, because I have, you talk about the doing this for 27 years. I have my parents' Christmas lights from, I'm, I'm guessing, the 70s and 80s in a box in my garage. Uh, do you even want those? <laughs> uh, we would gladly recycle those for you, uh, Rick. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> box. Probably not of, use them in the park. It's definitely Clark Griswold giant ball of wire, and then a lot of glass in the bo- bottom of the box because, you know, they the, those huge bulbs are so broken. brittle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pat. I really appreciate you coming on and, and telling us about Rotary Lights and, and all abilities night uh, tonight. If anyone wants to get down there, uh, anyone with uh, autistic or uh, what was the other one, Pat? Down syndrome, right? Yeah, some Down syndrome, and uh, and uh, a number of kids are in the park in wheelchairs too for this time. So that makes it kind of nice as well. We'll accommodate them. All right. Thanks a lot, Pat. You bet. Thanks, Rick.